to Psalm, uh, not Psalms, but Psalm. That's a misprint on your screen there. Uh, but Psalm 136, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 briefly, by really by way of kind of a, an introduction, um, a bit of an idea of a sermon tonight, more of a, a topical message here this evening. And, uh, you know, I was itching, to be honest with you, to get into Jeremiah tonight, if you want to know the truth. And uh, so I, I refrain myself with that and uh, just continue to pray and ask the Lord to, to, to just give us something here tonight. But in Psalm 136, looking in verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto, unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. If we were to continue reading throughout Psalm 136, it the Bible goes on to say in verse 4, To him who alone doth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. I think there's a, a trend here, a point, if you will. And To him that stretcheth out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, the sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to, uh, to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, to him that smote Egypt in the first, their firstborn, uh, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that which, which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever, and slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever." Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for a heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even a heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen and amen. Now the book of Psalms are songs that the Israelites would sing. As a matter of fact, we're commanded in the, in the New Testament. Paul tells us that we should sing out songs and hymns, lifting up holy hands. Amen. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned uh, there in, the, uh, in, in, in Philippi and falsely accused and beaten and locked into the center of part of the jail and locked down on the floor, uh, they're, they're singing psalms that night. They're singing praise unto God. One of the reasons I think they're singing, for His mercy endureth forever. Amen and amen. I understand uh, the argument and the battle uh, with music today. That's not what this sermon is is remotely even about and i'll be honest with you none of this is even on purpose amen uh, i'm just going to tell you uh, we we live in this world where men ignorantly stand against something 
I had one individual uh, come to me one time making up a making making fun of a particular song, and I'm not going to release the song, the name of it, or anything like that, just because of uh, being public and present company. And 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 what it all boiled down. I later on found that song. All right, I accidentally found it, and I listened to it. And, and the whole point was this individual's ignorance over the title of the song, just simply didn't know what the word meant. And therefore, ridiculed it and tore it down as being something that, that God would not honor. And I'll be honest with you, the words of that particular song that the young man was speaking about uh, are moving, they're scriptural, they're biblically sound, amen? Uh, you know, but I, I get the 7-Eleven and I get the... Uh, how we, we make fun of the, the contemporary movement, how they get seven words repeating 11 times, or I don't know if it's the other way around, 11 words seven times. And, and I, I get that. But at the same time, we just repeated, for his mercy endureth forever uh, 26 times. Okay? So I think we need to be mighty careful sometimes, guys. I understand that a line needs to be drawn in the sand. I understand that. I, there needs to be standards. Trust you me, I understand that. And I, and I know that's a, a hill that, that many men are not going to die on. They're not going to. And, and some are going to just, they're going to stay over in that corner. And, and they're going to say, I'm going to keep my toys over here. And you can have your sandbox. And, and that's fine. I think that's, that's the beauty of the autonomy of the church. Amen. You're welcome to be like that. I'm welcome to be like I am. And, and the far left group, they're welcome to be like they are. Have on, you know, crack on with it, okay? But just because something repeats itself doesn't make it bad. We just read, for his mercy endureth, and the word that I want to focus on, forever, the two words actually, forever tonight. 26 times. I, I don't believe that's an argument that you're going to win this evening of being right or of being wrong. But I will tell you this, forever, forever is a long time. Amen? Especially in a world which, guys, is really our world has become a throwaway world. A throwaway world. We were, Nisi and I were watching something the other day, and, and uh, it, it showed this kitchen. And there was that, I forgot the name of the, of the, 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 the appliance maker. You guys probably Frigidaire, maybe. But you guys remember that yellow blender that every one of our parents had when they were there? And, and the thing, my mom still has hers. It still works, amen? It's, 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 it's at least as old as I am, if not older, okay? We all had that yellow refrigerator, you know, in the house. The yellow phone is the best one. And I remember when we got a new cord that was like 10 times longer than the other one, you know what I'm saying? That, that phone, and that phone probably still working today, doing the little dials like this, right? You see what I'm saying? That's the world that we, we all came from where things just last. But we're living in a world today where they don't last. Just throw it away. I'll go get a new one. The average new smartphone is 1,500 pounds, the average price for one. Can you guys imagine, can you honestly imagine, or could you imagine back in the day living in a world where people would pay 1,500 quid every two years just to get the newest phone? I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't imagine. I, I, it blows my mind. I can remember paying that much money for something. I thought, this is going to last me forever, man. Forever, 26 times, okay? <laughs> That's not the world we live in today. They will fight you tooth and nail to get the newest phone. Can't afford it. Can't pay for it. It's on credit. But they will fight you tooth and nail. Beloved, 
the throwaway culture we live in today, the average teenager spends nine hours on social media a day. A working day, the average teenager. Average American spends 7.8 hours um, just on social media. That doesn't include internet time. Uh, teenager American, sorry. Teens in Britain are considered to be among the most extreme internet users in all the world. And I wonder sometimes if that's linked possibly to, um, you know, the fact that we have so many dark, dark months in the wintertime. And I, I don't know. But one study reveals, guys, that the average adult scrolls on their phone 74.21 feet per day. Now, to put that in perspective, if you include the cab um, and the trailer of a lorry, they're between 70 and 80 feet long, all right? And a megalodon shark peaked at 59 feet long. The numbers, guys, what this means is that you scroll 5.03 miles per year. Man, forget these batteries, man. We need people's thumbs. We just use the thumbs for, you know, uh, restorative energy nowadays. For someone who just turned 25 years old, if they got their first smartphone when, when they were 11 years old, which in all, it's not unrealistic in today's world. It is in my children's world, but not, not uh, in today's world. It means they've scrolled 70 miles from 11 to 25. That's the distance that you would travel between Cardiff and Bristol and back. So what does all this mean? What, what is the scrolling? I mean, why are, why, why, why are we scrolling so much in the world? Why are we so engulfed and ingrained and just so locked on to everything that's going on on social media? This message is not about social media, by the way. It is about society, but not about social media. Why are we so caught up with it? The current generation that we live in, and I personally believe it probably was rooted in, in the Gen X generation, probably on the back end of the Gen X generation, I would say, lives in a world of instant gratification and quick fixes. I can remember in the, in the States and uh, the, the adverts for Burger King, have it what? Your way. Have it quick. Have it fast. The rise of the fast food joints and the fast food restaurants coming out of the late 50s and the early, in the, in the, in the mid 60s came out like gangbusters. Okay. I want it now. I want it quick. I want it right now. And what it does, it leads to a loss of patience and a lack of deep thinking. We mentioned this on Sunday out of Philippians chapter 4. Whatsoever things you've heard, seen, we're going, he says, think on these things. Probably one of the things that we are plagued with the most in our society is our society doesn't think. They, our society doesn't think. It doesn't. Our younger society doesn't think. Let me, let me back up and make a correction. They don't think for themselves. All right? I think our older generation thinks. Par for, the, par for the course because we just did Q&A a moment ago and the overwhelming majority of my questions doesn't come from the younger generation. Personally, because I don't think the younger generation is doing the reading they should and thinking like they should. The older generation was taught to think. Researchers surveyed 2,000 participants in Canada, and they studied the brain activity of 112 others using electrocephalograms. 
The results show the average human attention span has fallen by 12 seconds, and that was back in 2000, or around the time of the, of the mobile revolution kind of began with smartphones and this and that. It, it dropped 12 seconds, and it's to 8 seconds today. 8 seconds. You, people used to have an attention span of almost half a minute, and it's dropped down to about 8 seconds today. To put that in perspective, goldfish are believed to have an attention span of 9 seconds. That makes you feel good, doesn't it? I see it all the time. I, I see it all the time in the midst of conversations. You, you, I, you can see it in a person's eyes. They're gone. <laughs> they're gone. And they wonder why they're continually doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Well, because the answer wasn't within that eight-second window. It was on the 12th second, and they just went, I don't know what you're talking about. Where are we, you know? What it means, guys, is our attention to detail and what tomorrow will hold is relatively diminutive when battling against the addiction to scroll to the next photo, chat, post, meet the next person, find the next topic. And with this type of mindset, guys, it is impossible to live a life for the long game. Living a life for the long game, doing what needs to be done now, today, for the long game. You know, the average lifespan of a major league baseball is seven pitches. Seven pitches. Can you think about that for a second? There's 100 and, 166 games a year, I believe, or 162. 166 games a year. Do the math, man. Seven pitches, and that ball's out and done dusted. It said that golf balls have a shelf life of five years that most of them will never make it through one round of 18 holes. And if I'm playing with it, I can promise you it doesn't. It gets hit once, twice, maybe three times, and I don't know where it goes after that. Most studies have revealed the average treadmill purchase is only used less than three months before it becomes the, the closet system in the corner. We've all been there. Researchers said the UK life expectancy data shows the average woman uh, lives until the age of 82 and weighs on an average of 70 kilos. So what that means is that if a woman begins dieting at the age of 18, she will lose her body weight 9.1 times. And if she spends seven weeks on a diet twice a year, she will spend approximately 17.2 years dieting. So what does all this mean? It reveals that we're living in a world intensely distracted by seeming seemingly the next big thing and it's addictive i get it i understand it guys it's part of marketing but our society today has developed to master the art of starting without considering the conclusion of the matter and, and it's and again you know i understand that but here's some questions how many books have you started and left unfinished all right now, now i try to read a book a week all right now, I hit my 9.4 books in 66 days. I hit it in about day 51. And you know what I did after that, Preston? I didn't read another book for the rest of the 66 days. <laughs> I got nine and a half books read, and then I sat it down. And, I, I'm, and the reality just hit me right now is that I'm thinking, well, why did I do that? And that half a book, I still haven't picked it up read the next page. How many programs have we started, be it a meal plan, a workout regimen, an exercise routine, and not f completed? 
How many hobbies have you began and then now left undone? I remember when I was a kid, uh, I wanted to get, I, there were some people that had gotten into um, the, the hobby, uh, the model cars, you know, like, you know how you glue it and all this and that? That wasn't for me. <laughs> I wanted to get into it, and, and mom and dad got me one. It was a 1957, like, uh, um, um, Chevy or something, and I was going to put that thing together. I had glue up to my eyeballs, if you want to know the truth. I glued everything there was together except for what needed to be glued together. And here we are, 48, eight years later, and that thing's still probably not put together anywhere under the sun. You know. You know, again, before you start feeling bad, guys, I've thrown myself under the bus here twice already. We've all done this in our life. The problem is, are we going to continue to do it? The reality is, are we going to continue to start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, just because of the newness of something? I preached a message years ago, probably a better part of 20 years ago, is what are you going to do when the newness wears off? People would come in our church, they get saved, born again, on fire for God, and then you know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. The spiritual warfare is going to happen, this and that. They get tested, they get pushed, they get burnt, and that newness and that excitement, and they figure out, wait a second, got to start doing some work now. i got to get busy. i got to stick to this. And the new wore off. And I asked them, what are you going to do when the newness wears off? Are you going to last? Are you going to make it? Or are you going to continue coming to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, every Wednesday night? Are you going to continue coming to visitation? Are you going to start going to the jail? I mean, what are you going to do when the newness wears off? We've all been there, guys. We've all been there. But it's a sign that we're living for the moment. Now, I'm an advocate, I'm an advocate for being where your feet are right now. I'm an advocate for that. This is not contradictory to, to what I believe or, or what I teach. But when we begin to live for the moment instead of the future, we begin to buy into the world of instant gratification and personal glory where people are seeking likes to come across the screen as opposed to building a stable foundation. In one study, guys, I read there's a functional MRI that was used to monitor brain activity. And so when teens saw their own photo with a large number of likes, activity went across a wide variety of regions of the brain. Um, and and the, one of the regions, especially a, uh, an active part, was the, there was, is in the striatum of the brain. Uh, it's called the nucleus accumbens, uh, which is part of the brain's reward circuitry. That, that area of you know, that, that dopamine boost, you know, you know I, I use a tick list on my, all my work. I, I tick off order of services, you know, the work I did in the house today, I was ticking them off on the list. And there's a minor, a small amount of dopamine that just floods the brain just because it's a, it's a, it's a reward uh, sensory, a reward hormone. But the reward surgery, guys, is thought to be a particularly sensitive during adolescence. When the teenagers saw their phones with a large number of likes, the researchers also observed Activation in the regions um, known as the social brain, regions like uh, linked to visual attention. Okay, it was also found in deciding whether uh, whether a person would decide to like another photo with a high number of likes on it, influenced them as they were choosing, and that brain activity continued to flood. It's an overabundance of that reward sensory, that that visual aid, if you will, that. Um, that visual attention. And this type of behavior, guys, whether it's preventable or not, especially in today's world, has become a detriment to our culture. When, when anything is disposable, when anything can just be thrown away and, and go over here, flipped and swapped and scrolled, and anything when that happens, 
it becomes a detriment, especially to the church, especially to the family, especially to the body of Christ. I mean, anything from friendships to jobs to marriages and even children become a byproduct of a society, a society that's bent living for the immediate. So I've got three things I want to share with you tonight. We'll be done. Living for the long game, okay, means that you're not willing to make cuts. You know, and I mean no shortcuts. And we see it in sports, we see it in business, the business world where many women alike will, uh, will cut corners either to improve their ability to, uh, or to raise their market share. One of our sayings uh, in our company, and this is when I first got into business, uh, we have a, a, um, have a fast food restaurant in, in the States called Wendy's. And what's unique about Wendy's burgers? What's unique about them? The, the Americans can answer this. Anybody tell them? They're square. There you go. So, oh, did you say square? I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. So, so I thought you, you said it real slow, so I, I, you wasn't sure. No, I was going to see if you said, where's the beef? That's what I was looking for. No, remember her? And uh, No, but they're square, right? And so the, the thing that we would say in, in our company is why, is, why is Wendy's hamburger so good? Because they don't cut corners, all right? It's a square burger. It's just a saying. It's just something that, but it makes you remember. It makes you visualize, hey, we're not going to cut any corners. You follow what I'm saying? Because this word, where success is fine. Businesses will use inferior materials though, to cut costs in order to increase profit margin. Now, the newest magic field today is advertised, and people order it in bulk. Because it, 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 this is one of the things that gives them, uh, they think it's going to give them the body that they see on the magazines. Not even the magazines anymore, but social media. With all the 19 layers of filters that 90% of the people are putting on there. I saw an advert pop up the other day. Um, pop up and it was it was lit, it was this thing you stuck on your belly button and it sucked all the fat out <laughs> you sucked it out so you stick it on your belly button and all of a sudden in this visual display this woman just she went it was a car she just got i mean you know thin and i was like wow now you think that works but i guarantee you if, here's what you do this is the best marketing put something like that on there you run it for six months. You buy enough to sell for six months. You'll make hundreds of thousands of pounds and then shut her down. You think that's going to be, because it's going to take six months for these idiots to figure out, I can't eat <laughs> Wendy's burgers and, and, uh, and McDonald's burgers and stick that thing on my navel and it'll work, amen. It just, there, there are no shortcuts in success in life, especially for the long game. Now, this is what Paul tells the, the, the Colossian church. He says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, what's interesting about that verse, and we've talked about this in years past, we can use that word heartily, and we'll use it almost flippantly. But that word heartily there, it's actually a compound Greek word. And that's where we get the definition from it. It means the breath of life. It means vital force which animates the body to show itself breathing it literally means the seat of your being, which all is within you. Everything that you have, the seat of your being, whatever you do, you do it that deep and that hard, that strong, that forceful, as unto the Lord. We used to have this saying on, and this is in high school, but no half-stepping. Kelton, you probably had the same thing when you played ball in the States. No half-stepping. We had this one thing on the field. You learned if you half-stepped on our field, our coach would call it green light. Now, they throw you in prison today if you did this. 
But when he green light and he call your number out, you know what green light means? Everybody on that field is going to take your head off. And you got to run until the coach calls a whistle. You know, and trust me, if you're not the fastest one on the team, you are getting lit slap up. And here's what some people say, I'll just lay on the floor. I'll lay on the ground. <laughs> okay, that works out real, real nice. No half-stepping, man. You don't walk on the field, you, you run off the field. You don't take your helmet off on the field, you keep it on. And you want the same thing in the Christian life, guys. If you're going to do something for the Lord, you need to do it with the seed of your being. You need to do it with the vitality of your life. With the breath of life that you have in you, do it with everything that is there as if it's the last breath that you're going to take in this world today. That's what Paul's telling the Colossian church. And that's how we're going to do it. If we're going to live, hey, listen, if you're going to live for the long game, that's one of the ways it's going to get done. No shortcuts. Living the long game requires us guys to, be, to have commitment. It requires commitment. The old saying, anything worth doing takes commitment. It's true. When we understand that there are no shortcuts in exercise, marriage, business, ministry, life, home, parenting, when we understand that, we'll be better equipped to apply the needed consistency, the needed commitment in our life. Notice again what Paul uh, tells the Corinthian church. He says, know ye not, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth with the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So often, many a times, we leak that final verse there to some type of um, outward sin, be it a sensual sin or a you know, an anger sin, a violent sin, or something along that line. My soul, man, it runs so, so more, much more deep, deeper than that. Paul says, I, I, I run, but I don't run. I know what I'm doing, where I'm going, and what I'm trying to do. I'm not just running around here, you know, just testing the water, slapping thing, everything that I can against the window, whatever sticks, maybe we'll go with that. He keeps his body under subjection, he says. He brings it under subjection. That means that he is committed to the cause. He has discipline in his life. He has dedication to the Lord. He's doing everything that he can with the vitality of the breath of life within inside of him. Lest when he tried to preach to people, he'd be a castaway. No half-stepping. You guys, anyone can do anything for a short period of time. I've said this, I've said this all the time. My dad taught me one monkey doesn't make a circus. Anyone can do anything for a short time. It takes commitment to live for the long game. The Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You know what that means? It means they're going to get hurt. Amen? So we need commitment in the long game in life. No matter where we are, what we're doing, who we are, where we go, whatever we do in our life, guys, we need to have commitment. And again, anyone can do anything for a short time. In the long game, there are no cuts, no shortcuts, I mean. It takes commitment. And finally, guys, there's a requirement of our choices. And this is where it gets a little, gets a little hairy, if you will. Our life is made up by minute, miniature, small, medium, large, extra large, huge choices that we make that you and I make. From the, the smallest, intricate part of our day 
to the largest and greatest decision or the most devastating decision or most dramatic decision that you ever make in your entire life and everything in between. That's what makes up our life. We're not robots down here. We're not, we're not, we're not on this track that, that God says, this is what's going to happen. You've got nothing to do about it. You have a free will to make a good choice. You have a free will to make a bad choice. It's your call, man. You say, the Lord's going to let me do that? Yep, he'll let you do it. What does that mean the Lord allows sin? He'll let you do something stupid. Yes, he will. And he'll judge you for it. You say, well, that's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong that you made that choice, amen, because you knew better. There are loads of bad advice that people are giving to the world. I, I think one of the cliches that I, I really despise the, the most is, you only have one life, live for the moment and don't look back. In biblical terms, it says it like this. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Just don't have a care in the world. I don't look back. And I understand about holding to this. And I understand about the, the application of he that play, you know, put his hand to the plow and looketh back. It's not worthy or fit for the kingdom of God. I, I get all that. But the context of this verse here, Luke 12, 19 is based upon a man who has acquired much and assumes he has all the time in the world. So let's just enjoy the moment. And again, he made a choice, and the end of it was his life will be required that very night. Sadly enough, guys, this is the thought of billions upon billions in our world today who give no thought to the outcome of the choices they make, both saved and lost. Mark Twain said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority... It's time to pause and reflect. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, argues that we should start living today with the vision of our own 80th birthday. Have it clearly in mind, he says. Even when considering the end of our lives, it is framed on how we will be remembered, how we will be looked back upon, how our lives were lived now will establish what our past is when we're gone. Now, I understand that the advice to live for the moment is appealing. It has a certain lure, even sounds great for a, on, on one of our quick IG posts, our quick Instagram posts, providing a, our scrolling readers the 0.6 seconds that they take to actually look at it. Give them that burst of enlightenment while they work their thumb upwards, go into the next one, go into the next one, and go into the next one. But such guidance often fails, guys, to produce desirable results in the real world. Sounds good, looks good. I know we're talking about, I don't know why we're talking about, I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about fast food again, but I, I'm, I'm all over it tonight. Don't want any, but I'm just saying, I'm getting ready to talk about it. You know those pictures? How many people has ever bought a burger from one of the fast food places that actually looked like the photo on the menu? <laughs> Not one of them. Because it's fake, man. I had a buddy that worked there one time, one of, the, one of those companies, and he said that they, they lightly grill it, you know, and uh, just so that it's brown. And then they lacquer the outside of that thing, and they swell it up with water. And that's why it looks like it does on the, on the menu. And then we get it, it looks like a, a corpse, you know? That'll help you out. Actually, in most cases, guys, living like this ruins people's lives. 
Living for the moment is the reason people leave marriages. Living for the moment is why people lose control over their health. Living for the moment is why our countries are trillions in debt. It's why the real estate bubble popped many years ago. And it rose back up again, I understand. It's going to pop again. It's why most individuals today will never truly be out of debt. Because the choices they made in their past. So your past affects your future. If you live for the moment, you ruin your past that you're going to have here in the future. You know, the average debt total per household in the UK today, uh, including mortgages, is 65,510 pounds. For someone above the age of 40, they'll never in their life pay that off. And you know what they're going to do with that debt? They're going to pass it on to their family. A choice they made, and they're passing it on to someone else. Choices. Choices made to live for right here, right now, this moment, this second, and simply not considering the long game. It's why we're, our culture is the way it is. So the result of a choice made to live in the moment becomes a soul who lives through the past, not for the past. Now, this may get a little confusing, but I pray that it's not. The result of a choice made to live in the moment becomes a soul who lives through the past, not for the past. Saying it like this, well, back in my day, I did X, Y, Z. Well, I remember when, well, we used to, well, let's, let's, let's bring it into the spiritual realm. Well, I tell you, church is back in my day. Well, you're still living. Amen. You're still breathing. You're still kicking. If churches are so good back in your, your day, still here. Amen. Get busy and do something about it. Amen. I hear it all the time in the village. I'll walk down the pavement. I'll sit and talk to someone. And they'll, oh, you're the preacher. Yeah, I'm the preacher. Oh, you're the American. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're good to talking. Man, I remember when them churches were full. And I asked one time, were you ever part of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why aren't you now? What changed? Nothing changed but your choice. All of this is a direct result, guys, of choices made to live and to play the game for the short term. Living for the past empowers you to make harder and better choices. And I'll explain that a little bit better in a moment. But it's easy for us to justify poor decisions in the moment. It's easy to, to break our personal commitments. It's easy. Sometimes, you know, the biscuits look too good and, and we just can't say no. Or sometimes we lose control and we yell at the kids. Or sometimes we'd rather veg rather than go to the gym. Or, you know, or sometimes we'd rather sleep in rather than get up and go do a workout or something or be productive. And what happens, guys, is sometimes turns into a lifetime. Short-term living. Saying, I'll, I'll restart on Monday. Guess what? That Monday never happens. Never happens. Monday never comes. At least not that one. J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan, has said this in his life. He said, the, the life of every man is a diary in which he means to write one story, and he writes another. And his humblest hour is when he compares the volume as it is with what he vowed it, vowed to make it. Think about that. Here's a way, and I'm going to ask you to write this in your Bible and write this in your notes or whatever it is. Here's a way to look at every situation tonight. Today 
is tomorrow's yesterday. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. The choices you make today will determine what yesterday will look like on tomorrow. Make sense? That's living for the past instead of living through the past. That's why it's important to make decisions, to make choices tonight, to live for the long game. When you live solely for the moment, you act on impulse. Your behavior is a product of circumstances rather than conscious choice. And as a result, you often make regretful decisions. Choices are the key to living for the long game, living uh, to have a pleasant past, living to have a productive past, living to have a positive past, hey, and living to have a powerful past. You're living today for the past, not through it. Makes sense. So guys, when you live for your past and not through it, it means you live today for what will become tomorrow, making what you will have yesterday. You are consistently making it better, often harder decisions when you think about our life like that. It ties in with our theme, leaving a legacy, or leaving, leaving a legacy worth leaving or living a life that's worth leaving to others. You see, beloved, you'll choose to be happy even when you don't feel like it. You'll choose to get up rather than sleep in. You'll choose to work while others play. You'll choose to save rather than spend. You'll choose to stick around rather than quit. You'll choose to fight for what you believe in. You'll choose to do hard things because they are the right things to do. You'll choose the road less traveled. And it'll make a difference. So yeah, just like we opened up earlier, forever is a long time. 26 times. But our forever starts today. It started yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that and on and on and on. Our relentless commitment to take no shortcuts will determine, will be determined in the choices we make right now, right here. You say, well, preacher, that sounds kind of harsh. Not at all. The Bible tells us, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we know this is talking about the rapture, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, the very next statement, ever be, that's that same forever, 26 times in Psalm 136, wherefore comfort one another. With these words, all that I've said tonight may be convicting, should be, I hope it is. But at the end of the day, it should be comforting. Because forever is a long time. And these words are not only a comfort, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. But it's comforting through the choices that you're going to make right now. So that tomorrow, when today becomes tomorrow's yesterday, you'll have that positive past to live for, as opposed to living through. It gives us a chance to live for the long game. It gives us a chance to look at the perspective and the way that we should by living today and what we want to see tomorrow and what we want to look back at. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father, again, thank you for the opportunity to stand in the sacred desk this evening. I pray that you would bless the word, Lord God, to the hearers. I pray that you would please bless the rest of our time together tonight. 
I do love you and thank you for who and what you are. And I just ask you, Lord God, that each one of us, as we make certain decisions, as we have actions and reactions and words and ways and walks and works in our life, that we would make that decision at that moment, Father, with the past in mind, as tomorrow, today, will become yesterday. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. I hope and pray the preaching and teaching the Word of God is a blessing to your heart this evening. Um, so just real quick tonight, we're going to have a few announcements, not many. 